Man, I, I, I hope you believe that. That no matter what's going on, we still have a reason to praise, right? No matter what illness, no matter what ailment, no matter, no matter what heart pain, that He is the God of the breakthrough. That He is the one who moves, that He is the one who can step in, and He is the one who can do a miracle. You believe it? Some of you do, and some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know. My hope is, my prayer is that, that throughout this day we'll go, you know what? He is. He is the God of miracles. And he is the one who can, who can step in and intervene in your life. I want to talk about that for a little bit. You can go ahead and have a seat if you want. I, I want us to talk about this idea of looking for a miracle. Like, what does it mean if I'm looking for a miracle? Can God actually even intervene? Like last week, we, we kicked off this series with that idea that, that a miracle is anytime God intervenes. And, and what I want us to see today is that, that he can, that he can step in and intervene in our situation. And, and today, I especially want to look at it through this, that it, can God do a miracle with my pain? Curious. Anybody ever seen this diagram before? You there? Like, like, how many of y'all have seen that diagram? You're, you're with me? Like, that's good. That's good. Like, when you're a little kid, they're like, well, just tell me on a scale. When you're older, you're just like, let me show you on a scale, right? You know what I mean? And with, maybe you're at a different level of pain. Like, some of you would be like, man, I'm in no pain right now. Like, like I'm, on the, I'm on the zero mark. I'm good. Remember, when I talk about pain today, at least, we're talking about physical pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain. So when I bring all that together, most people are like, okay, never mind. I'm not at a zero. That maybe I'm at the mild. Like, what's a moderate pain? Like, is a moderate pain like, like you got to go to the bathroom real bad? Is a moderate pain may, maybe a splinter in your finger? You know what I mean? Like, 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 what's a moderate pain? Like, what's the worst pain possible? Like, kidney stone? Anybody ever had a kidney stone? Like, the worst pain possible, Right? Like labor is like on a seven to nine, but a kidney stone's at 10. Some of you are not looking at me very well right now. Some of you are like, Josh, you just stepped into a painful situation, right? Like, 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 like you get it, that, that there's different pains that we find ourselves in. And, and maybe today you're, you're at one of those levels, or, or maybe you're in a really good place right now. You're like, no, seriously, spiritually, physically, I feel good right now. Great. There will be a day that you're in pain. And chances are, if you're good today, you know somebody who needs a miracle. That you know somebody who needs a healing. That you, you know somebody that, that needs God to step in and release the pain from them. All right, and so today we're, we're going to talk about it. we're going to figure out how do we find a miracle in when it comes to pain. Now, I'm primarily going to talk about physical and spiritual, but you can take everything I'm saying today and apply it pretty much to any area of your life where you're looking for a miracle. But I'll deal with it primarily from the physical and the spiritual. 
And, and we'll do it by just looking at the gospel account of, the, the, of Mark, the book of Mark, all right? Now, Mark, let me just tell you this. When he wrote this, he was a, a young man. We don't know exactly how old he was, um, but, but when, he, when Jesus was alive, he would have been a young boy. Um, my guess is anywhere from like 11 to maybe 17, 18 years of age. We know that because of something he said later on in the gospel. Um, but, but he wrote down what he experienced around Jesus. And he also wrote down from the eyes of Peter because Peter kind of instructed Mark on how to write this gospel. All right. And the other thing I want to say, I want to make sure you're aware of this, is today's story is a story that, that we'll be reading all week long in our quest journey. Uh, so for those of you who are in the quest book with us, that this week we're, we're pairing up throughout this series and the next series, we'll be pairing our, our quests and our sermon series together. If you don't have a quest book, you can stop by the connect corner. You can pick one up there. They'll earmark it for you so that you'll know exactly where to start. All right. But, but anyway, we'll go to Mark chapter one, and this is how it reads. It says, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now, Simon, uh, his nickname is Peter, okay? So you might hear me say Peter. Uh, he goes by Simon or Peter. But they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They, they told Jesus about her right away. Hold that last sentence for later, all right? It'll, it'll be real important. It says, so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. So, so Jesus shows up at Simon's house. He hears that his, that his mother-in-law is sick. So he's like, well, I'll take care of this. He jumps in. He heals her in the moment of her physical ailment. And then she jumps up to serve. And again, we'll get to that part in a second. But then it goes on and says this. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. That, that Jesus didn't just step in and, and heal Simon's mother-in-law. He also stepped in and healed all of those who were sick. That he jumped in and, and took care of everybody's physical ailments. And, and when I hear this, I, I, I like to picture it. Like, like, I often wonder, like, what was it like in that moment? Like, like everybody's standing at the door watching Jesus. So my guess is he's outside of the house and they're seeing him as all these people show up. I don't think, this is my opinion, but I don't think that when he saw all the people, let's just say it was a crowd this size, that I don't think that he pulled like some Yoda move on him. Well, like, I don't think he was like, oh, all of you be healed. Like, I don't think he just waved his hand. He could have. But you know what I think? I kind of picture him pulling up a chair on the front porch and sitting down and looking people in the eye and drawing in close and saying, hey, Tony, what's going on? What miracle do you need today? Hey, Kayla, what, what, what miracle do you need today? Hey, Trisha, what miracle do you need today? Like, I picture him, like, like, not just waving his hand and making it happen, but literally drawing in close because he knew somebody needed a miracle. And, and I say that because that's what we see in all of his miracles. 
that, that we see Jesus stepping in. And, and over the next four weeks, the miracles we're going to deal with, and we're going to see next week about a leper that, that, he, that he reached down and he grabbed him, he, he hugged him. And then we see with a woman who was bleeding that he said, well, well who touched me? I want to know. I want to look him in the eye. That with Mary and Martha, and they were sad because their brother was dead, that, that and he was like, crying with them. That with Jerry's daughter, he said, let me walk with you. Let's go take care of this. That he drew in close. Why? Because he could and because he cared. That, that he could do the miracle and he could do it easily. But I don't think it was just a can thing. I think it was a care thing where he said, I want to look you in the eye and I want to empathize with you because that's who we serve. That's who Jesus is. Now, I'll be honest with you about myself. I stink at dealing with other people's pain. Like, like I, probably a better word. I suck at dealing with other people's pain, right? Like other people are, are hurt. My kids get hurt. I'm just like, oh, rub some dirt on it. It'll be all right. Anybody with me? Okay, a couple of you. Thank you. Roy, you're a nurse. You, you can't say that. You're in the profession. But as a dad, you can. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. But, but anyway... Like, like, I stink at it when other people hurt, but when I hurt, Krista, <laughs> right? Jesus, Jesus cares that, that if you're physically hurting right now and you need a miracle or you have a friend who's physically hurting right now, he cares and he wants to step in because he can and because he cares. And, and, and if, if that's true, then, then ask him for that miracle. See, here's the thing of, of what I believe is the Jesus that did miracles back then is still a Jesus who can do miracles today. Amen? Like, like that's who he is. That, that, that the miracle didn't stop well, after Jesus died and rose it from the dead, the miracle didn't stop in that same. Now, I know that's where we see it a lot, that we see Jesus physically healing people through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, through the gospel accounts. We see in the book of Acts that, that, that the apostles were able to step forward. And I know maybe things are a little different today, but God still does miracles. He can still step into your pain. And he can heal. I, 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 not to give you my whole testimony, but, but I know God stepped into my life when I was young in the work that he did with my ears. I know with my youngest daughter, Abby, that God stepped in. That when she was about five, we had to rush her to the ER. And uh, within 24 hours, they had cut her open and pulled out a softball-sized mass. And the doctors looked at my wife and said, we hate to tell you this, but, but it, it's probably cancer. We've seen this before, and all signs say that it's cancer. So we started praying like crazy. And a couple of days later, they came back, and they said, we've tested that mass. We've tested Abby. We've sent her, her blood work everywhere. There is no cancer in her whatsoever, all right? No cancer. Now, that could have been a, a, a bad diagnosis, or it could have been the hand of God. I don't know. But this is what I know. God cares enough that I'm just going to believe it was the hand of God stepping in. That's what I'm going to believe. Because I know he can and he cares. And I know there's others of you who could give testimony to the same. 
of how God has stopped in. There's some of you in the medical profession where you could say, I've seen God step in because I saw this situation, and next thing you know, the person was healed. Like, he can still do it physically, but he can also still do it spiritually. All right? Like, physical is one thing. Spiritual is another. And, and for that, I want to go back to the verse. Mark chapter 1, this is how it reads. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. That's the physical healing. And he cast out many demons. But because of the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. That, that, that Jesus healed people spiritually by, by removing demons from them. And I know that, that this is a weird section of scripture. Okay, let's just admit that right now. That, that demon possession, uh, just even saying it sounds weird. And I know in our day and age, we don't deal with it as much as we saw back in the gospel times. Like you can go all the way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts, and you'll see demon possession. And it was different back then. Like it seemed like it was full blown. It still happens today. Now, this isn't a sermon on demon possession, but it still happens today. I, I can tell you uh, stories of where I, I feel like I've encountered somebody who had. But, but rather than talk about demon possession and how, how Jesus can heal us of that, let's talk about what we deal with probably more. And that's not demon possession, but it's spiritual oppression. That, that, that both are real. Demon possession is obviously being possessed. Uh, spiritual oppression is where the enemy, the devil, and the demons oppress us. That they try to trick us. They try to trap us. They try to get us to fall. We can see it in scripture. It reads this way in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, put on all of God's army so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. The strategies. Uh, that For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That, that we are oppressed. All right, another verse says it this way. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That we are at war with an enemy and the enemy will oppress us and he'll oppress us in different ways. One way he'll oppress people is through addiction. Addiction is a spiritual oppression. It is not just a bad habit. It is a bad habit, okay, addiction is. It is a habit that you need to be held accountable to, all right, because, because we're the ones who step into it, addiction. Yet it is also a spiritual oppression. You talk to a lot of people who are part of our region ministry, and they will say that addiction is, is, a, is a demon, Okay, now, and I'm using quote marks there, but, but you understand what I'm getting at, that, that they would say that, that it is a spiritual warfare that you are being oppressed. 
And here's what we need to know, that God can do a miracle and heal you from that spiritual oppression of an addiction. Amen? It can happen. It can happen. I spoke with somebody this morning right over in our prayer corner who came forward and said, I've got this addiction. I feel like I'm spiritually oppressed and I want it gone. And I'm so glad they were willing to admit it and give it up to God. And we're going to pray that they walk it out now, that there's a spiritual oppression. It's not just addiction, though. It happens with bitterness. Bitterness, unforgiveness, that's a spiritual oppression. That, that, that when you hold on to bitterness or unforgiveness because of a sin that you've done or maybe a sin that's been done against you, that is oppression and that is the enemy winning because that bitterness and that unforgiveness will suck the life out of you. And you might need healed from that or any other sin like it or any other situation like it. Or, or spiritual oppression comes in the form of just unbelief meaning that you do not believe in Jesus, that you haven't placed your faith there yet. And when, that, when you haven't done that, you are in a tug-of-war match with the enemy and Jesus. Just know that, that your life, your eternity hangs in the balance. So the enemy will constantly be trying to drag you to a dark side where Jesus will constantly be trying to drag you and pull you into eternity with him. And that's why you'll feel that spiritual ache upon your heart because Jesus is trying to do a miracle in your life. And then when you surrender to him, what that is, is that is the hand of God. That is God intervening in your life, and that's a miracle. Anytime somebody gives their life to Christ, that is a miracle. The, the 20 plus baptisms we saw on the screen, that is a miracle. It's a miracle. I'll just say this about myself and my story. It's a miracle that I get to spend eternity with Jesus. That is only by God. It is a miracle. It is. And I know y'all stories as well, so it's a miracle for you too. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's a miracle for all of us because it is only by God. So God can heal you spiritually, and he can heal you physically. Well, if that's the case, how? You might say, okay, Josh, I got me. you got me. You've been talking for 15 minutes. I get it that you're saying it's possible, but how? Because I need that physical healing, or I need that spiritual healing. How does it happen? Well, let me just give you a four-step process real quick. This is just a force. If you were to Google how to find a miracle, this is what should find up. I, uh, this is what should show up. I don't know what will because I didn't Google it. I just turned to God's word, okay? But, but, but this is what it should be, that if you want a miracle, here's how to do it. So pull out your phone, pull out your journal, take these notes, memorize them, and say, this is what I'm going to do when I'm looking for a miracle. One, draw into proximity with Jesus. Meaning, you gotta get close. That I gotta get close to Jesus. That I, that I gotta draw into, into proximity with him. Look at this scripture. It says, that evening, after sunset, many people, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. 
Many people, they, they were brought to Jesus. That's what they did. That they showed up to Jesus. That they came to Jesus. That they came into proximity with Jesus. And I want to encourage us, when we gather like this, what we're doing is we're getting close to Jesus. That, that Jesus can heal from afar, but again, what he likes to do is get you close. So when we gather for worship, we're getting close to Jesus. When you wake up in the morning and you open up the quest book and you study God's word, you're getting close to Jesus. When you're driving down the road and you're listening to a worship tune, you're getting close to Jesus. And when you're sitting at a meal or laying in bed at night and you're saying a prayer, you're drawing in close to Jesus. The first step in finding a miracle is proximity. The second step is we got to pray. We got to pray. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. Notice that last word there. They told Jesus about her right away. It wasn't like they waited for a while. It wasn't like they, 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 they showed up and they're like, well, maybe. Like, like, this is how I pictured. I don't know if this is how it happened. It probably isn't how it happened. But I picture Peter, like when they get to the house, Peter's like, oh, hey, Jesus, now that you're here, um, can you do me a solid? Like, like, you know, I've been kind of doing some work with you. We've been kind of making all this happen. And my mother-in-law's sick. And my wife's been having to attend to her. And, man, you'd really help me get out of the doghouse for being gone so much if you'd step in and maybe, maybe heal her mama, okay? That's probably not how it happened. I picture it happening that way. But, but, but how it probably happened is Jesus came in and Peter goes, hey, Jesus, can you? And he goes, I got it. I got it. Let's go. He went and healed her. Peter asked. And I think that's our problem is many times we don't ask. We don't literally go to the creator of the universe and say, will you step in for me? Will you bring a healing here physically or a healing here spiritually? See, what we do, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what we do oftentimes is when we have a classmate um, or, or a coworker, you know, say, yeah, I'm, I just got diagnosed or a family member just got diagnosed with cancer, we say things like this. Oh, man, I'll be praying about that for you. That sounds good. But how many times do we say that and then forget it? Right? What would it look like if the minute you heard something, you just said, hey, can we pray right now? Can, can we just stop and can we just pray? Like I was literally at the car wash just the other day, like, like washing my car and I saw somebody I knew. I walked across the parking lot. I talked to them. They told me something was happening. I was just like, hey, let's just pray about it right now. So we are like in the parking lot of the car wash. I got my hand on her shoulder. I'm praying for her. I know cars are driving by going, what in the world's going on over there? But we needed to pray. Let's not pray about it later. Let's pray about it now. And when we pray, let's pray big prayers. Well, let's, not, let's not pray small prayers. Let's pray big, bold, audacious prayers where we're asking God to do something incredible. Guys, I'll be honest. I changed the way I pray a couple years ago. 
That, that I used to pray, and I called it this. I used to hedge my bet. That when I would pray, if I was praying over somebody, I'd say, Lord, if it be your will. And, and I wasn't saying that like, like, God, I totally trust you. I was saying that like, hey, I don't know if my prayer's very good, so I'm going to say this. And, and what I made a decision to do is I, I'm not going to pray if it be your will. Because this is what I've come to a good understanding of. He's God, and he can do what he wants, and I don't have to give him permission. Okay? Like, I don't have to give him permission anymore. If it's your will, you can do that. No, no, no. He's God. He can do what he wants. So all I do now is I just pray big prayers. And I just pray. One of the big prayers I'm praying is for cancer to be defeated. To be defeated, honey. I'm praying it. Not just in an individual's life. I want it to be defeated in an individual's life. But I just want it to be defeated. For all of you who work in oncology, I want you to get new jobs. That's what I want. I'm praying for foster care to be eradicated. And here's why. Because we step in so much and we make sure every child has a parent in their life that we don't even need the foster care system anymore. I'm praying it. I know that sounds crazy. But I'd rather take a crazy thought to God than just live in a crazy world without him. We got to pray. We got to pray big prayers. I'm praying it physically. I'm praying for children to be in the womb of parents who are dying and longing to have a child. I'm praying for healthy children to come out of the womb. I'm praying for spiritual prayers. I'm praying right now for a couple hundred teenagers to go to camp. That's never happened in our church before. I'm praying it. Because I know if they go, they're going to get in proximity to Jesus and they're going to be praying and God's going to work a miracle in their life. I know it. I'm praying for 400 people to take a step of baptism. 400. We've had, we've had I think, five today. Four or five. Five today, which is awesome. So, so I'm praying for 395 now, okay? But we're just going to keep praying because I want to see God do a miracle spiritually. I'm praying for region to have a couple hundred people in it. That's what I'm praying. Because I want to see people find healing through Christ. So we got to pray. And here's what happens when we pray. Look at it. It says, among you, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Guys, we still do that. I want you to know. We still do that. As elders, we have done that. As a prayer team, we do it every week. And, and there's times I've anointed people with oil. I don't get the oil. Like, I buy it off Amazon, okay? Like, it's just oil. There's no power in the oil, okay? But there is power in the name of Jesus. So we just follow what his word says and we just do it. And a prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. Now, I know when you read that, you're like, okay, Josh, time out. I've been waiting for this part of the sermon because I've prayed for a miracle and somebody didn't get well. And we're going to talk about this verse, that spe specific thing more tonight at Coastal. But in short, let me say it this way, that, that our definition of well and God's definition of well might be a little different. Because we can get well, even if God doesn't remove the physical 
ailment, he can remove the pain. And that's where wellness really comes from. And I'll explain that more in just a second. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. That's talking about praying a, a, a prayer of asking for spiritual healing. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let me keep going. Proximity, prayer. The third one is persevere. See, see here's what happens. That if we're willing to pray, if we're willing to offer that up to God, then the next thing is, is I just keep persevering. Because your miracle might come immediately. It might. Okay, let's say if it's a spiritual healing, like you want to come to faith in Christ and you give him your life. Well, that's an immediate healing there. But you still have to persevere through faith because there will be trials that come in your life. And what about the physical healing that you're praying for? Then maybe it'll come instantly or maybe God will ask you to persevere. And maybe that healing will come months later, years later, and you have to persevere through it. And maybe that, that healing doesn't come physically on this side of eternity, but it comes spiritually through the blood of Jesus. I persevere because as I persevere, I then come to a better understanding of my purpose. Let me read this scripture, then I'll explain the purpose. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That God will work. And as he works, as you persevere, you'll understand your purpose. Your purpose. Like, like for, for Simon's mom, her purpose was prepare a meal. The fever left, and she went and prepared a sandwich. Or she's like, this, this, I, like, oh, you just healed me? Well, let me take care of you. I'm going to go make you some dinner. That sounds like what a mother-in-law would do, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, like that's what she did for Jesus. She, she understood her purpose. Jesus said this. This is part of that same story. He said, but Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. See, that's a real important verse. Because there was other people who had showed up that needed a physical healing. But what Jesus said is my most important job is a spiritual healing. And there's a town I gotta get to because somebody needs to hear that. See, he understood his purpose. And when you go through pain, your pain might actually lead to somebody else's healing. Your physical pain might lead to somebody else's spiritual pain being healed. And when you, when you come to grips with this, like when you draw into a proximity to Jesus, you get close. And then you pray. And as you pray, you persevere through that ailment, through that pain. And you live out your purpose. You're made well. Everybody I've ever talked to who's really walked that out, they would say they've been made well. 
well. I was talking to a guy named Tom in the lobby before the first service. Tom's a, a great man, high-level leader here, one of our VIPs. And he's going through a bout with cancer right now. And, and it's been a pretty big battle. And he got some good news this week, all right? So I'm gonna praise God that he got some good news. I'm gonna praise God. It wasn't great news. It wasn't the cancer's gone or anything like that, but he got some good news. And I loved what he said. He said, it isn't the end of my prayer, wasn't the fulfillment of everything I prayed for, he said, but it was a step. It was, it was some good news in the moment. And this is before church. Tom had no clue what I was preaching on today. And then he went on to say this. He said, Josh, I decided long ago when I found out I had cancer that I'm in a win-win situation. Because as I walk through life, it's a win. Because I'm going to testify to God's goodness. And if I get to stay here on earth longer, then I get to hang out with my grandkids longer. I get to bring God glory longer. I got to tell people about Jesus longer. It's a win. But if my days seem shorter, it's still a win because I'll be with Jesus because he has healed me. And you can only say that if you've drawn into proximity to Christ, if you've had a prayer life with him, if you persevere and you know your purpose and your true purpose is to spend eternity with Christ. And because of that, here's what I can say. God might not take away the ailments, but he can take away the pain. He can take away the pain. So what do we do with it? Well, let's pray for a miracle. See, it would, it would be foolish for me right now to preach this, to give you the steps on how to do it, and then to say, okay, we're done, see you later. No, what I wanna do is I wanna practice what we've preached. I want us to draw close to Jesus right now. And you can draw close to Jesus through prayer, through praise, as we worship, as we sing. You can draw close to Jesus as you take communion that's on the, the right and the left of the stage. I want us to draw close to Jesus and then I want us to pray. And I don't want us to pray the, just, just little prayers. I want us to pray big prayers. And I've asked our prayer team to be in the corner and we've been praying big prayers over people. Some of you are trying to have a baby. You, you've been married and you're thinking like, man, we want this to happen to happen. Come over and we'll pray and we'll trust God. Some of you are dealing with a physical ailment and you want prayer. Come over, we'll pray and we'll trust God. Some of you have a spiritual oppression of bitterness or an addiction or something else. Come over, let's pray, let's trust God. Some of you need to surrender your life to Jesus right now. Now, come over, join me. I'm going there right now. Let's go over here and let's pray. So stand up with me. Let's worship. Let's draw in proximity and let's pray.